We work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded in play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. Hello and welcome back to Playgrounding. This is Kara Stewart-Fortier and I am speaking with you here from the treehouse at Theory Labs at the Brewery Artist Colony here in LA. Oh my gosh, today I'm so excited. I'm going to be sharing part two, I guess you could say, of my little series on finding a playground that sets you free. Um, we'll talk about how a great playground is a world unto itself. It's It's hard to find, but it's so worth it when you do. Um, but first, I have a few little things to share. Um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks around here for me. <laughs> um, as I mentioned before, it's been so strange um, since starting something new for me that's doing this podcast. It's like I take a few steps forward and I get really excited and then I get really, really, really nervous. I, I, I kind of freeze up. Like, what am I doing? Who am I to do this? What's going on? I should stop. Ah. <laughs> then I, I recently discovered a blog and I'm loving this blog. It's by a psychotherapist out of Boulder, Colorado. It's not even just the words, the beautiful imagery on his blog. I never seen a blog that is a writer, but he also does such an amazing job of pairing these images that just reach out and grab you. His name is Mark Agile, um, therapist from Boulder. Um, I'll, sh I'll share a link in the show notes. He recently did a post on self-sabotage and it's based on a book that he's reading by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap. It's about the unconscious beliefs that hold us back. And he shares four of them, the four of them in his um, post, just little brief um, snippets. But it's about how when we get really close to really starting to achieve what we dream of, um, everything seems to come crashing down. And I will definitely be picking up a copy of that book. Now, nothing's really crashed down. That's the thing. But my confidence seems to get more and more fragile the further I get into living the life I've dreamed for myself. And it's just so funny that since starting this podcast... There's been so many ups and downs, and you might notice that from my publishing schedule, it's been a little wonky, and I've had nothing but amazing feedback from you, from everyone. It's been so exciting to have the privilege to speak with you like this. I've worked really hard to bring this to life, but it's also terrifying, <laughs> and it's scary to just be me and put my ideas out there, and, and I'll just own it, you know? But I'm I'm fighting back against those unconscious beliefs, and doing that isn't easy and it's led to some deep soul searching. I'm not going to let it get me this time. I refuse um, to back down to all of that self-sabotage silliness. Um, so let's just say that I'm, I'm learning a lot right now and it's just been an amazing experience. And I do recommend to everyone, get out there and follow your dreams. But if you really want to break past those barriers, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, that's for sure. It's definitely been challenging and rewarding in every way. Anyway, so now, on with the show. Before we get to our main topic of the day, last week, I got an amazing surprise. When I first launched, I put this little gadget on playgrounding.com called SpeakPipe. Now, it's there for you. It's there for you to share your thoughts and comments about play, about happiness. It's for you to ask questions. You know, it's just a little 
you know, another way to comment on the podcast, on the blog, whatever you'd like to do. And I don't talk it up that much. Um, it's just been an amazing little tool and you can click on the little microphone on the little tab on the side of the website and you have three minutes to talk using your computer speakers or your mobile device. Now I can get bigger packages so people can leave me longer audio comments, but I haven't really started using yet, using it yet. Um, and then all of a sudden last week I get this amazing little package in my mail. You see in another life, I worked with a software company here in LA. It was a work from home type of thing. And I spent every day in conversation with developers in different parts of the world. And I ended up becoming friends with one of the developers. His name is Sherryar. He is an amazing musician and just a beautiful person. And at the time he lived in Karachi, Pakistan, <laughs> especially at that time, it was probably like 2009 ish. You know, there was a lot going on in international relations. Things with Pakistan were getting strained. But, and we did talk about politics. We did. I, I learned a lot from him and from other friends over there. Um, but primarily what I remember of that time was that we were, became friends over music. We jammed. I pulled out my flute and he'd pull out his guitar. We'd jam over Skype. It wasn't easy, but we did it. It was amazing. We sent files back and forth and we recorded songs together. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. But as the years passed, we both got new jobs. He moved to Dubai. We haven't really talked in a long time. But in my speak pipe, Sherryar, who I haven't talked to in ages, sent us a song. And I'm going to share it with you. It's not a professional recording. He wants me to remind you. <laughs> um, so, Cherry R, I did it. I told them it's not a professional recording. Um, but the reason I'm so excited also is that Cherry R's message all along, the whole time we've been friends, is about play. In the midst of, of oh my goodness, just the kind of political upheavals that both of our countries are always going through and different things that are going on, he, he asks us all to please smile. And <laughs> in his last email to me, he said, music is one of the blessings still alive, which can unite the souls scattered across the globe. Some thoughts are just impossible to convey, which can be poured in the soul through music. Music is magic. Here's a snippet from the song that Sherryar shared with us. I'll put a little snippet right here, but at the end of the podcast, I'll play the entire song. Um, so you better stay tuned. Here it is. Lovely people of the world, let us come together forever and ever. Divide, never like one soul, mm, like one soul. Love is the eye that. Yeah, just when you start thinking that we're really different from people who live in other parts of the world. I mean, yeah, we are, but in so many ways we're not. Thank you, Sherry R. So please stay tuned. Um, the last few minutes of the podcast, I'll play the entire three-minute um, message he left for me via song. Now for today's topic. Part two of finding a playground that sets you free. Lately, I've been exploring how we can create circumstances that make real play possible. Real play 
is the kind of play that sets you free. And we kind of set up the parameters for what that even means, because um, play means so many different things to different people. But we've been using Dr. Stuart Brown's um, aspects of plays, properties of play. So I'm going to do a quick recap. We did all of that in episode 12. We went through his properties of play. But first, let me go through a quick recap so that we all know what makes play play, so that we know what we're looking for in a really amazing, freeing, healing playground. Okay, really quickly, play is number one. It is apparently purposeless. It's done for its own sake. There's no practical value. Number two, it's voluntary. There's not an obligatory kind of thing going on, no duty. Number three, it's inherent attraction. Um, this is kind of the, a duh kind of moment, but it's important. It's fun. It makes you feel good. It's a cure for boredom. It's just something we want to do because it's awesome. Number four, now we're getting into some different ones here. This is what we're going to talk a lot about today. Freedom from time. We lose a sense of the passage of time. Number five, there's a diminished consciousness of self, also difficult to achieve. We stop worrying about whether we look good or awkward or smart or stupid. Number six, it has improvisational potential. We aren't locked into a rigid way of doing things and we're open to serendipity and chance. And number seven, also kind of a no-brainer, but there's a continuation desire. We want it to keep going. We don't want to stop. Once we're playing, it's it's so inherently fun that there's no way we want to stop. And we, the next time we do it, we just plan it. We make sure we do it because it's so much fun and we want to continue doing it. So today, we're going to talk about what I think make up the properties of a great playground. Now, last week, I talked about how I found them all at Burning Man, but I'm just using that as an example um, it lit me up. Um, I didn't even really know what it was. I didn't go, oh, I'm experiencing play as an adult. This is fantastic. I just knew that I was having this mind-blowing experience. Um, it wasn't until I started studying play later and, and learning about Stuart Brown and um, initially from that initial TED, TED Talk radio show. I mean, it was just, yeah, it, it really helped me understand how important that experience was, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Burning Man for you. So go to a regional, go to Burning Man if you want to, but um, there may be other things that light you up that bring you these same types of experiences. So as we go through, I would love it if you would share with me other places where you experience these same kinds of things. So as we go, keep in mind what you might want to share with me, put it on the speak pipe, put it in the comments, send me an email, whatever works best. Um, but please think of ways you can share So because Burning Man is only one of many examples, I'm sure. So what makes a great playground a world into itself? Let's go back in time. Remember elementary school? The bell rang. It was time for recess. We leave our books at our desk, grab a jump rope or a ball or for me, my sticker book, and we run out onto the blacktop. And for those really amazing moments, there was nothing we had to do. There was no reading. There was no math problems unless we did something wrong and we were made to stay in the classroom and do math problems. Um, but other than that, if we were good little kids, nothing was expected of us at all um, during that time. And then the bell would ring again and we'd run back and line up and have to go back to class where we put on our student hats again. But in the time between those bells, we had a world into ourselves. There was no mom and dad, no chores or schoolwork, just whatever it was that we wanted to do. There was no grading. Um, no one was really 
watching how I spent my time and having talks with me after unless we were fighting or something random. But for the most part, that time was our own. It was our own little world with our friends or maybe just to spend time by ourselves. We got to make our own decisions about what to do. And then we went back, we stood in line, we got back into our classroom and we put on our student hats again. That kind of thing is nearly impossible for most of us adults to find. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, I, maybe I had experienced little bits and pieces of that. Maybe when I'd go to like a day spa or something, I don't know, maybe on a good vacation. But I really experienced for the first time having that, you know, nobody expects any of me. The world is turned off for a minute. I experienced it for the first time as an adult at Burning Man. And so I want to share a little bit about why and what happened there. Uh, my first day when I arrived for the very first time at Burning Man, it was one of the strangest feelings I've ever had. Um, it's one thing to tell people you're disconnected from the world. You know, that lie of, a, of an email you responder you put on that says, I am away and will be checking email periodically. What you really should be saying is that you don't have access to email. Most of the time we say we don't have access to email, we do. We are usually always checking it. And after I get an out of office response like that, I usually always end up getting a response at least by the next day from that person who's on vacation. So you say you disconnect, but most of the time we never do. Um, so it's one thing to say that it's another to have it completely ripped out from under us. And for me as a control freak, it was disconcerting to say the least to show up at Black Rock City for the first time. There is no cell service. Now people will say, yes, there is, and it's getting a little bit stronger every year, and I kind of really don't like that, but even though it was stronger last year, as soon as 70,000 people are trying to use that one little connection, or however many they have, it always overloads. You may as well just put your phone back in your suitcase and don't touch it for a week because um, it will just drive you crazy trying to get uh, trying to get connected out there. So. First of all, there's no cell service, which means there's no email, which means there's no phone calls. You may as well forget it. You're in airplane mode for a week at least. And oh my God, is that like terrifying for someone like me? <laughs> um, and in general, technology out there doesn't really get along very well with the environment. It's a very alkaline dust that gets into everything. Um, it destroys the insides of your things. You want to make sure if you do take your phone out there, even just to take pictures, you have to put it in a plastic bag or have some kind of waterproof, you know, casing over it that you would only use at Burning Man because it'll just get crusted with dust. So technology, all the devices that make us who we are out there in the real world that keep us connected, snip, cut off completely. The other thing that we're cut off from there is time. Um, when I first got there, I was very concerned about going to certain events and finding certain things and knowing what time it was, my camp had this way of handling me in those moments. I would say, what time is it? And they would say, it's Burning Man. In other words, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop worrying about anything. And it got to the point now where the only time of day that matters out there is sundown, because that means that soon it's not going to be raging hot anymore and you can go put your makeup on, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, it's it was really, really hard to be ripped out of my contacts like that. Um, everything about me was just challenged in those moments. And my first year, I actually had vacation days and was able to allow myself to just enjoy those days, you know, between the bell at my own little recess. But shortly after my first burn, I became a freelancer. 
Now, it's a lot harder to take time off when you freelance. And some of my burner friends who are moms experience this, whoa, huge, hugely, it's very difficult. Um, if you think like staying away from work for a couple of weeks is hard, just imagine staying, having, being away from your children. But when you make a commitment to do something like that, you have to allow yourself to set up that time. She, my, one of my girlfriends, I, several of them, they would send their kids to be with their families. They had, they were lucky they have trusted other people in their lives that they could have watch their kids. Um, for me, I had to commit to getting all my work done before I left and putting on an out of office responder, making it very clear that I was not reachable and communicating with every client saying I'm not reachable. You have to kind of do that trust fall back into the time that we set up for ourselves so we can really get the benefit out of it that it has potential for. But last year I ruined everything for myself, especially in those early days. I ruined it by trying to bring work with me to the burn. So I was out there a little early. I was working on a project um, and I figured, well, there's not as many people out there. I can take advantage of some of the technology I had available to me as a member of a team working on a project. So I thought, mm, I'll just get this work done. I'll, I'll finish it when I get there kind of thing. Uh, it didn't work. <laughs> I remember sitting in the Department of Public Works commissary with my computer during a blinding dust storm, trying to pound out work and get it all done and send it off to people. And the signal was really weak. I couldn't send things. It was just a nightmare. And honestly, I think that was the end of life for my computer. Once I got it home, every time I opened it up for like months afterwards, dust came pouring out into my backpack onto my desk. Like that poor little thing died because I took it to Burning Man. Um, anyway, but it's, it's not about just killing my laptop. I was making it so much more difficult to enjoy the beauty of the playground that I worked so hard to be on. I had to give up and put my laptop away and just join the others. And once I did, ah, the magic was back. And even in a dust storm, it's magical at Burning Man if you're not trying so hard to achieve a thing like write a paper. When you can just sit back, put your dust mask on and look out into the white and pretend you're like walking into in the clouds and pretend you're a little kid. It's an amazing feeling and just finding your friends or just hunkering down in a tent till it's over playing some silly card game. It's magical if you let it, but you can't if you're trying so hard to hold on. Yeah, that's what I did. So I learned my lesson. And so what I'm trying to say is when you strip away the things that usually keep you busy and on track, um, the things that make you a valuable asset to your boss or your family, you're left with only two things, yourself and the people around you. And it's, it's a strange feeling once you're disconnected from that world and suddenly you're forced to ask yourself, you know, like, who am I? And who are these strange creatures out there on the playground with me? Um, it really helps you pay attention to yourself and to the people around you. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like, well, if I'm not trying to impress or engage commercially with people, um, if I'm not trying to just, I don't know, I worked so hard. I was a volunteer. I did, I was a recruiter. For volunteering. I worked at a church. I worked at a full-time job doing marketing. It was strange for me to just be around people for the sake of being around people. I wasn't trying to do anything or get them to do anything. Um, so I wasn't really sure what to do once I was cut off from all that. How can I play? And it made me pay attention to myself and others in new ways because there was nothing distracting me from the present moment anymore. That was all ripped out from under me. 
And this is why for some, Burning Man is a kind of a terrifying experience at the beginning, especially. Um, some people really hate what they find when they strip everything away. And I kind of did right at the beginning. What I found was a deep, deep well of dissatisfaction. And I had no real plan for how to get out of it because I had no idea that I was in the middle of it. And, you know, I was a proud asset to all the people and things that I was working so hard to do. And I mean, every action that I took out in the regular world was a means to an end. And it was about commerce and it was about achievement. But now with that all gone, it was scary. But the cool thing about it was that I couldn't mope. I couldn't fall into any kind of sadness or depression about it because I had thousands of people around me who fiercely believed in, in radical inclusion. Like they brought me in, they brought me under their wings, they challenged me just to participate. They challenged me to play. Um, and it was amazing. If they, It's not something I could do in a vacuum. It's not something I ever could have done in a vacuum. I needed their nudging and pulling to keep me out there. Um, it was hard. But once I did it, it was like getting a mental massage. Like there's really no other way I can describe it. Um, and I brought that feeling home. It was amazing. But after now that I've kind of you know given you an idea of what I felt and what I got out of Burning Man, let's go back to those properties of play. Um, I'm only going to use like three of them because a lot of them are kind of no brainers. Um, but I really want to take some time with a couple of them that really make a great playground that that the playground that cultivates these properties of play that makes them possible. When you find that world in and of itself, um, it, it can just really be transformative and life-changing. Number one, um, one of Spirit Brown's properties of play of freedom from time. Whew, it's really hard to lose track of time out here in the regular old world. Um, I feel like I have, if I put my laundry in at a certain time, I can basically know when 30 minutes comes up. I have no idea what skill that is that I have, but I feel time in my, in my, in my blood. Like I know how much time is passing all day long. It's a very disturbing feeling. Um, sometimes I lose track of time just cooking in the kitchen or, you know, I'm sure that you could lose track of time playing ball with your child in the backyard or taking a dog for a walk. But what an amazing experience just to put your watch away and go for a walk indefinitely, go exploring or, you know, when you don't know what time it is and you don't have anything to be at next, um, you know, you don't have to go to Burning Man for this kind of thing. Going on vacation is also important because it makes it possible for us to break with normal life and commitments. It's when we pull ourselves out of a rigid context of, of monitoring that watch and we allow ourselves to wander aimlessly. We can really learn some amazing things about ourselves. I definitely had a hard time with that at Burning Man and there is a argument to be made for keeping your watch on at Burning Man. There are a lot of great activities you have to be on time for, but you know what? You don't have to. <laughs> and that's the really great part about it. You can just stumble onto things and kind of look up at the sun and say, hey, it's going to be, sun's going to go down soon. It's time to put my makeup on. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, number two, another thing we find on a playground that's wonderful, um, it, that is part of a world unto itself is diminished consciousness of self. It's a place where we can stop worrying about whether we look good, awkward, smart, or stupid in Stuart Brown's words. And you might notice that at Burning Man, if you look at pictures online, you might notice the photographers who go to Burning Man 
only ever take pictures of the freshly washed hotties and they're like cute little awesome burning man festival blah 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 whatever a lot most people don't really there are a lot of people who do dress that way but that cliche is a cliche because those are the people that people take pictures of and put online anyway that's a whole nother thing when it comes to being really conscious of our appearance it's hard it's Usually you kind of look kind of horrible after the first day. Um, anything that you're super proud of your appearance when you're back in regular life, when you get out there, it becomes a massive, massive challenge. So most of us don't want to get our picture taken because it's so amazing to finally be free of worrying about how we look. Um, yes, we do put on costumes, but that's just part of the fun. That's part of the play. And if we were doing it to be in a Burning Man coffee table book, we'd totally be missing the point. That's really not what the costumes are about. Um, it's There's a rule out there that you don't take a picture of someone unless you ask permission. If you see someone, you like what they're wearing, you say, may I please take your photo? And a lot of times you want to get their information so you can send it to them when you get back home. Um, but that's a pretty rare event. I don't even bother with pictures out there. I have some photographer friends. They have to actually register their, their cameras with the burn because they really want to make sure that people feel safe. Um, that press is is somewhat is is respectful, um, but I think that's just one of the ways that we try to or the they try to cultivate an environment where we have a diminished consciousness of self. Out there, we can be anyone we want. We can do anything as long as we're respectful to others. We do have ten principles. That's a whole other thing, um, but we don't have to put up the normal facades that we do in our jobs and social circles. When there's an opportunity to dance, you dance. Or not, but you know, you take the opportunities that are put in front of you. You run into a stranger who has a friendly smile and you just give them a hug. Would we do that on the street in LA? Probably not. Um, those social norms and restrictions that we have in our normal lives are broken there. It's an awesome playground because it actually gives you an opportunity to have that diminished consciousness of self. And I I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think where in other parts of the world or other parts of life that that kind of thing is cultivated. And so help me, give me ideas, show, tell me where else people can find that kind of thing. Maybe not just at the burn, but at um, parties or regionals or camping trips. Like just, what do you think? I need, I need feedback here because I'm kind of on a one note because I've been so involved in it and I love it. Um, and I haven't really thought about other places where you can find it. So please give me um, ideas to share with the whole playgrounding world here. Number three, a third of Dr. Brown's play aspects that you can find on a great playground um, is improvisational potential. Now, radical participation um, is a part of Burning Man. It's one of our 10 principles. The, the great part about it is that you're not locked into a rigid way of doing anything there. Well, except for maybe making, making sure your tent doesn't blow away. There are some things that you want to make sure you do. Um, bring water, use rebar to put your tent down. Yeah. But outside of some very basic survival types of things, you can be opened up to serendipity and to chance. And that's exactly what makes it so fun. Burning Man has a long history of people enjoying freedom and embracing serendipitous moments. You know, one of the things, one of the things people say a lot out there is the playa provides. It's kind of become one of the biggest Burning Man cliches. But that's because so many times out there, people have stories of in that moment of need, they were thirsty, they were whatever, whatever it was that they felt like they kind of needed. They somehow, out of nowhere, find that someone had that item and was just basically handing it to them. Or maybe there was a shoulder to cry on. Um, just someone would just randomly walk up to you and 
You'd have the tears in your eyes and suddenly you'd be in a three-hour awesome conversation with someone from the other side of the world that just suddenly stepped into your world. Um, it could come from a stranger like that. It could also come from a campmate. It could be, I don't know, it could be something you find on the ground. I've had that happen so many times. Um, the playa provides in these random moments. And I think that's because in this place, people shed their inhibitions and they're ready to jump into someone else's story at a moment's notice, which is what improvisation is. You, you jump into a story that's already going and you find your part to play and you just enjoy it. Strangers will treat you like family. You know, one minute you're out for a walk and the next you're being led into a dome. You're learning a dance from some, you know, whatever it's, <laughs> it's crazy and it's fun, but it's because we've, we've shed you know, we don't lose this consciousness of time. We're not worried about everything. It's because we're allowing ourselves to embrace this kind of stuff. It's this radical participation. We're imp improvising because we're jumping in and out of one another's lives in ways that we don't usually do, you know, back in our regular workplaces or, you know, the stores or back in our places where we become assets and where we work on commerce and where we have agendas for everything. When you strip all that away, it's kind of exciting to see how human beings can interact. It's pretty mind-blowing. We can only really get the full effect of these aspects of play that the freedom from time, diminished consciousness of self, and improvisational potential on a playground that is a world unto itself. We have to be able to cut ties with all those things outside of us, the schedules and our perfectly crafted self-images that we're trying to uphold. Now, I know that Burning Man is not the only place where we can find these things, but I personally didn't experience it until I got there. Maybe I'm just, you know, such a control freak that it took something drastic like a trip to a temporary city in the middle of the desert to do, you know, to do it for me. But I don't know. What about you? You tell me, do you have a world in and of yourself? Um, have you ever experienced it? I know when I was in college, I was in a play called The Secret Garden, and I loved this. It was a musical. It was a beautiful song, and I don't even want to play a little of it because I'm afraid of the royalties thing, but it was a little girl singing about her garden that she had a place where she could go, where she could be herself, where she could learn, take her pen and draw the girl she means to be. That's from the song. Uh, that song has stayed with me over the years, and I, I have my little secret garden playbill up in my treehouse in a frame because I've been searching for that for all these years. You know, I was what, like 20, 20 something in very early twenties when I was in that play, but I knew that that was something I was going to need in my life. And even during the worst times, I had that little playbill framed in my room, wherever I was for the last 20 years, but I don't think I ever really found it until I got to Burning Man. I found the little my little secret garden where I could take my pen and draw the girl I mean to be. Um, so I'd love to find out what your secret garden is. And I don't know, maybe it'll take time. Um, it's hard. I know it's, it's hard to like write into a blog or a podcast. I always think I want to, and then I never do. And then one time I wrote to one of my favorite um, bloggers and podcasters, Darren Rouse, and I, I have been kind of idolizing his work for years. I, I don't think you're idolizing mine because I'm just here to share with you and to open up conversations, but he's a teacher. And one day I finally wrote him an email just to tell him how much I appreciated one of the posts he put out. And he wrote me back and 
I love that. It was so much fun. And that's what I want to do here. I want to have a give and take. And I'd love to hear your feedback on where your secret garden is. What is your playground? Where have you found these things? Or if you haven't ever found these things, you know what? Let's find them together. Let's re just reach out either way. Um, so now I will leave you with Sherry, our song. He left on speak pipe last week. Um, I hope to hear from you. We'll have one last one of these in this series next week on playground. And then I am so excited. I have this new parade of guests and it's just going to pretty much be guests from like here on out. I just felt like it was really important to pull these things together and really, really establish what this playgrounding is about. It's a blog and it's also a podcast. I'm going to start doing videos in the near future. Um, but I needed to do this. I needed to have this little series just to let you know where we're, where we're going and what this is all about. So thank you so much for joining me every week. I really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to meet you. Um, let's talk soon. Let us serve mankind. Open your heart and you will find there is a door. With kindness and generosity, with gratitude and humility, like the light he will enter your heart. people of the world let us come together forever and ever divide never like one soul mm, like one soul love is the eye that let us put an end to all the fights we are born indeed from one soul let the knowledge be the sword work no words work no words knowledge is the reflection Reflection.